0: So this morning, I want to talk to you about what I believe is one of the most important things that we need to understand in Christian, as Christians. Matter of fact, it even has important in the title. That's how important it is. It's the importance of prayer. And we're actually going to do a couple weeks on prayer. This week, I want to speak to you about the importance of prayer in our lives, particularly as Christians. And next week, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. But today, like I said, I want to look at why is prayer so important in the believer's life? You know, it's probably one of the things that is most neglected in any believer's life is prayer. Probably between that and reading your Bible, a lot of us just just don't do that very often. And it's, it's crazy to me. On two occasions. One, because I'll be honest with you, there's times that I realize that I need to be spending more time in prayer than I actually am. You mean the pastor doesn't pray enough? Yeah, it's true. The pastor sometimes doesn't pray enough. You know, I wonder if any of us actually pray enough. You see, the truth is is that Christianity is a relationship. Christianity is not just a set of rules and regulations. It's not just a, a pretty scroll on the wall with do's and don'ts. It's not fancy stone tablets. But it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with God. And in any relationship, what do you guys think the number one thing in any relationship is? Communication. communication. And prayer is how we communicate with God. If I had some candy, I'd throw you one. I can, you, I can give you a mint, getting the answer right. But yeah, it's communication is the most important part of any relationship. And it's not any different with our relationship with Christ. And we need to be speaking to Him. We need to be talking to Him. This is how we let God know how we're doing. It's, it's how we let God know what we need. It's how we, and you can, It goes from everything to letting God know what your requests are to just telling Him how your day went. Talk to Him like He's a friend. The Scripture says that, that we are friends of God. How many of you would like a friend that never talked to you? I, I don't think you would call Him much of a friend. And the truth is, if you want to grow closer to God, you need to spend time speaking to Him and letting Him speak to you. Prayer is more about more than just speaking to God, but it's also about just sitting still and shutting up long enough for God to speak to you. Amen? So many times we're so busy in our life that we, we can never hear God speak, because He's drowned it out by all the noise and distractions in our life. But the truth is, we need to have some time where we can just listen. It's so easy to get distracted in this world, this busy, busy world. But I believe that that we need to understand how important it is that we do speak to God and set some time aside. In the book of Revelation in 2, 2 through 4, Jesus is beginning to, to address the seven churches of Asia. And in this one here, he says, in Revelation 2, 2-4, says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and in bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. This is starting off pretty good, right? How many of you would, would want to be having those things said about you by Jesus? Those are good things. But then he goes... He continues on and says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You see, Jesus is addressing the seven churches of Asia, and right now he's addressing the church at Ephesus. And he's saying, you know what, you guys have got a lot of things going for you. You guys are doing a lot of things right. And they were. they were. They were doing the right things. He says, you're, you, you, you don't bear witness to, to evil. You're, you're patient. You continue to labor for the kingdom of God. He sees their work and endurance and he comments on the fact that they dislike evil and they test those who come through and say they're apostles. They test them to make sure they're not false. It sounds like they're doing all the right things. And he says, you know what? You guys haven't grown weary. That You haven't given up. I mean, how many of you guys have felt like giving up? I know I have. I've been tired. I've been struggling. I've been wondering why things aren't working. And sometimes you have those brief moments where you're just like, I wish I could be carnal just for a minute. I could fix this problem if I could just not be Christian for like three minutes. We'd take care of this. But that's when we grow weary. We grow tired. We kind of want to slip back into who we used to be. But Jesus is saying, you guys, you know what? You you haven't grown weary. You haven't given up. You haven't grown tired. You've continued to endure. You've continued to be patient. You've continued to toil. You've continued to work. He says, you've continued to bear up for my name's sake. That means that that they've put up with some stuff. They had to bear up. You know, we say it a little bit different here in in, in Tucson with the U of A. They tell them to to bear down. But it's pretty much the same idea, it's kind of just stand firm. But, Jesus says, there's a problem. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. The New Living Translation translates it, instead of saying that you've abandoned the love you had at first, it says it like this. It says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. The relationships have begun to to break down. The New International Version translates it like this. You have forsaken your first love. And the Amplified Bible which is just like the regular Bible, just louder. It says, you have left or abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. It seems like they kind of got caught up in religion. They got caught up in the do's and don'ts. They had their list of rules. They, they were no longer having a relationship with God. Instead, they were just doing all the right things, but for the wrong reasons. They weren't doing this as a result of the great love that that God had for them and as the result of the love they had for God, but instead they were doing this out of a sense of duty. And that's one of the scariest things to me is to to begin to, to get in a position where I'm doing the things I should be doing as a pastor or as a Christian out of a sense of duty. That scares me more than not doing this stuff at all. And I, I, I look at my life when I find myself getting into those ruts, into those situations where, where I'm just doing the things because I'm supposed to be doing them, that I, 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 get, I get a little worried. I don't ever want to be there. I begin to pray, God, ignite that passion back inside of me, that fire inside of me. I don't ever want to be jaded. I don't ever want to be doing this as a, just as rote actions. But in, I want it to be from the heart because I love you and I know that you love me. I don't ever want to be stuck going through the motions. Because God wants so much more than that. Christianity is never, ever, ever about the things that you do. But it's about trusting in Him and the love that you have for Him. And His love for you. There's a story that I found that describes it so well and it's about a father and his daughter and this father has an incredible relationship with his daughter and, and they would talk every day and they would go on long walks every day and talk about their day and see how things were going and, and they just spent great amounts of time together and Christmas time was coming up and the daughter, she, she loved her father and she wanted to do something special for him so she decided that she was going to make him, hand make him an exquisite pair of slippers for her dad and so for the next few months before Christmas, um, she, whenever her dad would be like, hey, let's go for a walk, sweetie, she'd be like, yeah, I, I can't go right now, Dad. And she would sneak away and she would work on these slippers. And for, for a couple months, every time that she would normally spend time with her dad, she began to work on this gift for him. And the father, he was a little confused. He didn't know what was going on. She, he noticed a change in her. He noticed that she didn't want to spend time with him, but he didn't know why. And then when Christmas came, he finally understood what was going on. He opened his present, and it was just the most beautiful slippers that he had ever seen. And she had made them by hand, and they were made of the finest materials, and they were, they were perfect. But he looked at his daughter and says, These are wonderful. Thank you so much. But next time, buy the slippers and give me yourself. He would have much rather spent that time with his daughter. And I think the same is true for us. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we're doing for God, we forget to to even look back at Him. We forget to look up. Our head is down to the ground pushing forward. And we forget to, to spend any time with Him. We forget to ask for His input. We forget to ask for His guidance. We forget to ask for His strength. And instead we try to do things on our own, and then we're like, man, why is this so hard? Why am I not getting it done? Because we're trying to do stuff in our own strength. God wants you rather than your accomplishments. And Jesus gave a similar message to his disciples in Matthew seven twenty one through 23. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It is possible to be doing all the right things and not have a relationship with Jesus. It is possible to look good on paper but not actually have the goods. I think probably America is full of Christians like that. They go to church every Sunday, they do every event, but they have no real relationship with Christ. And that's not what we want. That's why at this church I'm always encouraging you and pushing you to get involved, to do more. Because when we get together and we keep our eyes focused on Jesus together, then we're actually building that relationship. Amen. We don't want to just be people that warm chairs on Sunday and, and be what so many in America are, they're just culturally Christians. Amen? Amen. I don't want to ever find myself in this position where Jesus is saying, man, you're doing so many things good and you, you're perking up and you're feeling good, but then He says, but I have this against you. And I think prayer is, is, is where this starts, is actually speaking to Him, actually talking to Him, seeking His face. Amen? In 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says, seek the Lord in His strength, seek His presence sometimes. It doesn't say sometimes. It says continually. Nobody even noticed it. Nobody even. What's going on here? He says seek His presence continually. As Christians, we're commanded to seek the Lord. We're commanded to to seek out His presence, to spend time with Him, and we find this very same encouragement in the New Testament, the Old Testament, all throughout the Scriptures. We are encouraged to seek the Lord. That's this is a relationship you can't have a relationship with somebody if you're not in their presence if you're not spending time with them if you never spent any time with your husband or your wife you would have a miserable terrible relationship you wouldn't have one at all actually and the same is true with God if we don't spend time with Him, if you don't spend time in prayer, if you don't spend time reading His Word, if you don't spend time listening to what He has to say to you, then your relationship will not be very good with Jesus. And that's just a fact. And we don't do these things because we're obligated or out of a sense of duty, but we do it because we want to grow closer to the One who gave everything for us, who held nothing back for us. Demonstrated greater love than we can ever imagine. I don't know about you, but I, I like spending time with those who love me. And that includes God. David wrote many things like this. In Psalms 118.14, he said, The Lord is my strength and my song, He has become my salvation. Other translations says He's my strength and my shield. The reason why we want to seek God is because when we do, we are infinitely made better. He strengthens us. He encourages us. We're protected when we spend time in His presence. I don't know about you, but do do you notice a difference in yourself when you haven't spent time in prayer or spent time in His Word? I do. I, I look and I, I think I handle situations throughout the day differently than if I had spent time in his word, if I had spent time in his prayer, in prayer. And I, my, my life is different. And, and it's because that when we're in his presence, he is with us. He is strengthening us. He's encouraging us. He is lifting, his up, lifting us up. He's protecting us. And I think when we're in his presence, we stop trying to do everything ourselves, Instead, begin to rely on him. And I want you to know that you can seek the Lord in many different ways. Matter of fact, many of the ways that we 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 express ourselves to God are just a form of prayer you can You can go and, and put yourself in a closet somewhere where there's nowhere around and set yourself apart and begin to pray to God That's a great way. get away and pray. Matter of fact, i'd recommend that because you won't be distracted by other things and you can you can hear god's voice more clearly not only that i would recommend praying out loud it's very easy to not get um distracted have you ever late at night and you'd be thinking about something and the next thing you know you're thinking about something completely different like how the heck did i get there well that'll happen when you pray too if you pray in your mind matter if it <laughs> happens to me all the time i'll be praying and what happened i was praying a few minutes ago what the heck why am i thinking about this why am i thinking about work and we get this, dist- but if you pray out loud, you'll notice that that happens. Oh, actually, I don't think I've ever had it happen to me while I'm praying out loud. So, get if you don't want people to hear you pray, get away in a closet. Get away from. Get away from, You go into the bathroom. Somebody, I don't know who told me the story, but somebody was 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 telling somebody. You know what? I I I pray while I'm going to the toilet. And like, and this man says, so I, I get in the bathroom, I shut the door, I'm going. To the, that's when I pray. And the pastor's like. That seems kind of weird. He's like, it's the only quiet place in my house. If you need to get away and pray, do that. Or worship. When we, when we sing to God, that's a form of prayer. Begin to, 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 to worship God and sing. And you can sing words that are, that are, that are written, that have already been done. Make sure the words are good. Or you can sing a new song to God. You don't have to sing good. God doesn't care if you sing good. God cares about your heart, that you want to spend time with him and speak with him. If you want to hear from God, read your word. You know, one of, the best, one of the best ways to pray, if you want to learn how to pray, is read your Bible and just repeat what other people have said in the Bible. I can guarantee you those are godly prayers. Begin to proclaim what God has already said. That's an amazing way to pray. Well, the point is it's not specific. there's not a pattern. Some people get up first thing in the morning and they, they pray, some people pray on the way to work. Some people pray in the shower. Some people pray, in, I think just pray when whatever works for you. And if you're not praying at all, make it a point to pray for five minutes a day. It doesn't seem like much, but it's a start, and from there you'll begin to grow. And you'll begin to strengthen that relationship. And you'll find that the stronger that relationship becomes, the more time that you want to spend with God. Whatever you have to do to get away, I would recommend it. And seek out the Lord. The only thing that I would caution against is, like I said, be real careful. It's not becoming a ritual. And instead, it's it's because you want to speak to God. I know I found myself forcing myself to do things before I've, I've you know, because it was routine. Get up a little bit early before work, go downstairs, get my coffee, read my Bible, pray a little bit. And, and it was, there was times I found in my life it's kind of bland, it's kind of forced, it's, it's, it's not real. It's my checklist. I get up, check, make my coffee, check, read my Bible, check, pray a little bit, check. Should never be a checklist. It never should be a duty, but something that you want to do. Now, at the same time, sometimes you got to make your butt get up and pray. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you got to talk yourself into it. I don't know what it is about reading the Bible, but I'll, there are other stuff that I want to read and learn about, and I just can't wait till I have time to get around and and do those things. If, I, if I'm wanting to learn something, and there's a book that I want to read about it, it can be anything. Computer, coding, animals, whatever. Fiction, I, I find myself always searching for a time to do that, but the Bible's not always like that with me. And I don't know if it's the enemy trying to mess with me, I don't know what it is, but there's sometimes that I have to kick myself in the butt to sit down and read the Bible, which is amazing because every time that I read it, I see brand new stuff. I see amazing things. The stories in the Bible are incredible. If you read some of the stuff that's happened, absolutely and utterly amazing. Yet sometimes I don't, I have to like force myself to go read it. But once I do, oh, I get wrapped up into it. I remember why I like doing this stuff. And, and there is a fine line. You never want it to be wrote. But if you begin to slip out of it, kick yourself up in the butt and go spend some time with God. Amen? Amen. You know, this is something that the early church did. This is something that was important to the early church was spending time in prayer. In Acts 1.13-14 it says, When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers, basically everybody was praying. The early church was remembering their first love. They, they knew what it was about. They knew that it was more than just. I don't, they knew they had to have that relationship with Jesus. They knew that and they did it. They devoted themselves to prayer, to speaking with God, to asking for his guidance. You see, this happened just after Jesus ascended to heaven. Now, that had been pretty tough. First, I mean, the, the, can you imagine the roller coaster those people went through? First, the man that they loved, that they were following, they thought he was the Savior, the, they, they thought that he was the Messiah, he was going to free them from Roman persecution. They kill him. And he's like, wait a minute, this guy that we've just been following, following is, is dead. Like, what, what the heck happened here? Will we believe in something that was false? So then, then they, they went from this great high to this great low. They're all messed up. They scatter everywhere. And then Jesus ri- raises from the dead and shows up again to them. And he's like, hey, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm back. I'm not dead. I rose from the dead for you so that you could have newness of life. And he's back. And now they're like, all back on the bandwagon again. They're excited. They're ready to go out there. And we see an incredible change in them because they went from a defeated group of men and women to a, a group of men and women that spread the gospel across the entire known world at the time. And the reason that we have the scriptures today, it's the reason that Christianity exists today is because something happened to those men when Jesus rose from the dead. But then I imagine Jesus rose and he, 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 he was back for a few days and, and then he left again. I bet that was kind of a bummer. But you know what? Jesus ascended into heaven. He said, you know what? It's good that I go because then I'll be able to send the helper with you. The Holy Spirit came to to operate in his stead while while Jesus reascended to heaven. But you know what? At this point, they're like, you know what? That's not going to be the last time I speak to you. Just because you're going to heaven, we're going to spend some time in prayer. I'm still going to speak to you every day. They spent time in that relationship even after Jesus had ascended they were praying continually. You know, the scripture says that, that we should be praying continually. And that's always confused me because if I was always praying, then I wouldn't be doing anything else. And let's face it, there's responsibilities and things we have to do. But I think that what the scripture means is that they were always in a constant attitude of prayer. When you're going about your work day and something good happens, is the first thing that you begin to do is begin to, to thank God for what's going to happen and speak to Him? When, you're, when something bad happens, do you immediately cry out to Him? When things are just going, do you find yourself talking to Him throughout the day? One of the, the times that I'm always inspired to pray the most is when I'm driving down Tangerine from my house in the morning and I look out and I just see the beautiful mountains and the sun is, is not too far up and it's, so the light's just coming out, it's about seven o'clock, 7:30 in the morning, and it's just gorgeous. And I just began to thank God for, for just the amazing things that He's created. But is that the attitude in your heart? Or do you get home at the end of the day and go, "I didn't think about God once today?" It happens to all of us. It, it, it happens to me sometimes. Life gets so busy, it's so easy to get distracted. Which is why we do need to make a point to set aside time to spend with God. Just like my wife and I do date night as regularly as we can. Because if we didn't set aside a time to go and do that, it would never happen. And the same is true with spending time with God. And it's just that they were devoting themselves to prayer. There wasn't a special group. There wasn't you know, a prayer ministry. There wasn't a prayer team that did all the praying. But they all prayed. And I think that's something that, that we should all be doing. I, one of the things that I, I, it's presses against my heart the most when I watch the early church is we should be doing stuff like the early church. If they were praying, we should pray. If they were, if they were taking care of people, we should take care of people. I just did a whole series on that not too long ago. But it's so, prayer is so important to the Christian. And then finally it says, they were with one mind. They were in agreement. That's one of the greatest things, and we'll talk about it a little bit later too, but when we get together at 9 o'clock on on Sunday mornings for the prayer meeting, it's because we're getting together and standing in agreement with one another. We're praying with one mind. Amen? We also see that there is this desire in the disciples to want to know how to pray as well. Luke 11, 1-4 says it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation the disciples had an earnest desire to know how to pray because they recognized that it was important. They saw Jesus doing it. They knew that he was speaking to God, and they wanted to do it as well. They said, while Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had finished, the disciples would teach us to pray too. And most theologians believe that this prayer isn't something you're supposed to repeat verbatim. This is a, this is a template. This is the way that teachers taught back then. And he says, when you pray, okay, first thing, you said to them, when you say, Father... When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. That means begin to worship God. You should start every prayer with worshiping God. Begin to to, to tell him how much you love him and how amazing he is and that he's incredible and that he he is glorious. And That's the first thing that we should do when we pray, is begin to worship God. And then he says, your kingdom come. We should begin to, to pray for, for the, this place. We should be praying for others that the, the, the people would receive, be received into the kingdom of heaven. That they would accept that free gift of life. And he says, give us each day our daily bread. That means that, yeah, if, if you have stuff that you need, ask. It's okay to ask God for stuff. Because God loves you. And I mean, be smart about what you're asking about. If you're asking for sinful stuff, don't be surprised if the answer is no. But... When you're asking in accordance with the will of God, God, God wants to hear what you need, and he will give it to you. He says, forgive us our sins. Now, you've got to remember, this was before Jesus, but now, instead of, instead of asking God to forgive you your sins, I think you should thank God that your sins are forgiven. Say, thank you, Father, my sins are forgiven. What if I just did it today? Thank God that sin was forgiven. All your sins are forgiven. When Jesus died for you, He died for all your sins, past, present, and future. They have been forgiven as long as you've received that gift. And then he says, forgive everyone who's indebted to us. This is a part where you just need to have that heart attitude change. You know, it's it's interesting that if, if God put aside everything and he's forgiven you for everything, it's kind of weird that we would hold on to grudges against others. But this is just a template for prayer. It's a pattern, and he taught the disciples because they wanted to know. I think we should want to know how to pray. If you're not sure how to pray, you want to learn how to pray better, come to the prayer meeting and hear godly men and women pray. And the best thing that you can do is, is read the scriptures. Pray the scriptures. You can guarantee it's a godly prayer according to his will. What do I mean by that when I say pray the scriptures? when when I've ever, if you've ever come up to me and asked me to pray for you for healing, you'll almost always hear me pray. I, you almost always hear me pray, You know, thank you, Father, that by your stripes this person has been healed. I didn't make up that terminology. That's the Scripture. The Scripture says if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. I'll repeat that when I'm praying to people because this is what the Scripture says, and God says that he's watching over his word, waiting to perform it. And when we begin to proclaim his word, that's, a, that's between that and hearing other godly men and women pray. That's how you can learn how to pray. Amen? And for Jesus, too, this was Jesus' custom. Luke 5, 15-16 says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus had to get away to pray. People were all around him. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to be touched. They wanted to be ministered to. And he had to sneak away to not be distracted and speak to his father. In Luke 22, 39-41, it says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. One thing that's important to notice is, as was his custom. This wasn't a one-time thing for Jesus. But this was his custom. This wasn't just before the, you know, the garden when he, when he prayed and he, he, sweat drops or he, yeah, he sweat drops of blood. This wasn't the only time he ever prayed. This was his custom. He did it all the time. Now, this is Jesus. If anybody ever lived on this earth that could get by with not praying, I think it would be Jesus. But even he sat down and spoke with God. Even he had a relationship with the Father. And he wasn't giving that up. He spoke every day. And the greatest thing about praying is that if we'll see God, he is there. He's not running away from us. He's not hiding. In First Chronicles 28, 9, it says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. I want you to know that if you seek God, you'll find him. God is not running away from us. He's, he's looking for people that are wanting to serve him with a whole heart who are willing to follow him. He's not looking for people that are going to serve under compulsion. That, are, that are, You ever heard the, 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 the saying, those convinced against their will are of the same opinion still? He's not looking for people that are forced to serve He's looking for people that are willing and wanting to serve him. And he says, if you're that kind of person and you seek me out, I, you will find me. He's not going to hide. He's not far away. He's not looking down at us with contempt. He's not looking down at us wondering, oh man, why the heck did I make these things? But He looks down at us with love. And He wants to be in fellowship with us. He wants to draw near to us. So let's not be a people that are, that are complacent with where we are. Let's be a people who seek Him out, knowing that He, will, that he can be fine. Be found, sorry. Matthew six, 6 says, but, when you, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is what we talked about earlier. Get away. Spend some time in prayer. Don't be distracted. And even more so, this is talking about uh, don't just be a loud gong either. You know, you don't want to be the person that's just praying so people can see you, but that's the only time you ever pray. You know, if you come to the prayer meeting to look good, pray out loud, and hear people hear your prayers, but you never pray any time during the week, you've you've missed something. It's not about looking good. It's not about looking good in the eyes of man. But instead, it's about spending that time alone with God, developing your relationship with Him. And I would encourage you, if you will do this, if you will take the time to spend with God, it will change your life. And know that when we pray for Him, know that He hears what you have to say. 1 John five fourteen through 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Isn't that good news? I mean, this is God, the Creator of the universe, who is so far above us that we can't even fathom, yet He hears what we have to say. I, I, you know, I couldn't call the President right now and get him on the line. Do you, do you realize how amazing this is that God is willing to sit and speak with you and hear your voice? I couldn't call and get my state senator on the phone right now, I bet. I mean, shoot, you'd have a hard time getting the, the managers of some of these businesses around on the line. They don't have the time for you, but God, He has the time for you. And He is so far above every single one of them, and He has time for you. Not only does He have time for you, but He wants you to come and speak to Him. And he says that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. You know, God is not ignoring us. He's not looking down at us going, Ah, oh, here comes Viola again. <laughs> but he's excited. He's waiting. I I don't think, it just blows me away that God would care about me so much that he would give me his ear. And not only that, it says that if we know that he hears us, that we can have confidence that he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, then, then he will give us whatever we ask. As long as what? It's according to his will. That's another one. You pray the scriptures as the coordinating as will You're going to get whatever you pray for. If you're praying for something sinful, don't be surprised if you don't get it. But you know the amazing thing is, is that if you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, remember we talked a few weeks ago about being in step with the Holy Spirit? Did you know that if you're of one mind with God, that if you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, then anything you ask is going to be of the will of God? Because if you're walking in step with the Spirit, you're not going to want ungodly things. Because you're on step with God. So if you have your eyes firmly focused on Jesus, you can ask for anything. And if your eyes are focused on him, if you if you're looking straight at him, because you can't ask for something ungodly when you're focused on Jesus. I guarantee you that if your eyes are focused on Jesus, you're not going to be asking for your neighbor's wife. You hear what I'm saying? You know, there's so many times we get so confused about what is God's will and what isn't. I'd just be encouraged that if you're walking in step with Him, whatever you ask will be in His will. And you, you don't have to even ask that question. You'll know if you begin to pray something that's not of God's will. you have that check in your spirit. You know. But we can be confident that He hears us and He'll give us what we ask. We also find that when we pray, God speaks to us. And this is amazing I mean, that God still speaks to us today. In Acts 10, 1-4 says, now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And about the ninth hour of the day he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. God answered his prayers. He sent, <clears throat> he ends up sending, uh, a Corn- he tells Cornelius where Peter is, and Corn- Cornelius sends his men to Peter, and basically at this point, the gospel was made available to the Gentiles. And he says, your prayers and alms of ascending is a memorial before God. What was he praying for? I believe that he was praying for that salvation. He was doing everything that he could as a Gentile. He was praying, praying all the time. He was devout. He feared God with all his household. He honored God with his finances and he prayed continually. But being a Gentile, he could never be a real Jew. He could never enter the temple. He could never go through that. And I imagine he was praying, God what can I do to be saved? What can I do? And it says, God spoke back audibly to him and said, your prayers have been answered. And at this, this is the beginning when the Gentiles we receiving the free gift of salvation. But he was praying and God spoke to him. God will speak to us in our prayers. When we pray to him, you will hear his voice. Now, I'm not saying it's always going to be an audible voice. Matter of fact, I've, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've, I've had dreams where God's spoken to me in my dreams. But I've never heard the audible voice. I know some, men, some godly men who have heard the audible voice of God. But you know what? God will speak to you in and, and basically your own voice. You'll be praying and you'll have a thought come into your head. Where would that come from? And it'll be God speaking to you. Well, Pastor Wayne, how do I know if it's God? What if it's the devil trying to sneak a thought in my head? What if it's, well, let me tell you this. If it aligns with the Word of God, it's God speaking to you. If it doesn't align with the Word of God, you can safely assume that it's not God. But you'll know, I mean, my, my biggest problem, to be honest with you, is not hearing God. I hear God all the time. God speaks to me all the time. I have a problem with listening sometimes. That's my biggest problem. But God will speak to you when you pray. If you'll just be quiet and listen. Amen then Matthew 18, 19-20 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. How many of you guys have ever heard where two or more have gathered in my name? It's actually not the scripture. We all say it. That's not actually what the scripture says. Interesting, huh? I think it has the same intent, but it's not what it says. It says, For where two... Or three have gathered together in my name. I am there in their midst. You know, it's important that we pray together as well. I think the prayer meeting on on Sunday mornings is incredibly important for us individually and as a church. And my desire is to see every single member of this church be in that room. And if we don't have enough room in in, in that room, we'll move it out here. And if we don't have enough room out here, we'll move it out in the park. But I desire everybody to be in that prayer meeting because we need to be standing together of one accord. The scripture says where two or more have gathered together in my name, I am there. And he says, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it should be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. If we stand in agreement, our prayers are powerful. It's why when people ask me to pray for them, I, I rarely say praying for you. I'll say I'm standing with you or I'm agreeing with you in your prayer. Because we need to agree together for these things. Because I think too many times people get this idea in their head, if I just get enough people praying, then God will have to answer. I mean, if we just get enough voices, he'll surely get annoyed enough to answer my prayer. But that's not what it's about. But instead, it's because we're standing together in agreement. It's not about the, the, the volume. It's about the hard attitude of those who are praying. So we should be standing together in agreement corporately for the things that we desire for his kingdom, for his church, and even individually as we lift up one another in the church. Let's stand together. And I'd encourage you, 9 o'clock, Sunday morning, prayer meeting, be there, be square. In James 4, 2 through 3, it says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask. And do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. There's so much stuff here. I'll try to make it through quickly. But because this is actually where we're going to end today. It's, prayer is important because it's, it's how we let God know what we need, what we want. It's part of that relationship. And so many times we go through our lives lacking stuff and, and want of stuff because we would never bothered to ask either because, one, we just haven't built that relationship, we don't really spend any time in prayer, or two, which is probably, I suspect, a great reason, is, is we begin to think, either one, that, that God doesn't think well enough of me to give me this thing, so why bother asking? Or we think, well, if, if, you know, if God gives me, you know, if, I'm, if I'm praying for, for a better job, but there's, there's so many people out there that don't even have jobs. You know what, that's just kind of selfish of me to, to pray for a better job when there's so many people that don't have jobs. We kind of get that idea in our head that, that somehow that, that God's resources are finite and, you know, if he, can't, he can't spread the love. If, if he gives me a new job, then, then the guy down the street who doesn't have one is not going to get one. You know, it doesn't work like that. Well, the other thing we have is, is you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You know, you'll notice that when, particularly when we're praying for material things, we're praying for God to bless us. When I pray for people for to have an abundance, I always ask that people would be blessed and have an abundance that they could spend it on every good work. Now, I think when we're praying to be blessed, our our goal would be how we can better reach the community, reach those around us, how we can better be a blessing. And when you're when you're asking with with those kind of attitudes, God's gonna, gonna bless you like crazy. Pastor Mike from the Tucson Church always said, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And I think it's true for us. You know, we ask wrongly. I mean, if we're just asking for, for a better job so we can have a, a, a bigger boat and some four-wheel drives and that's all there is to it, then yeah, we, we kind of got our heart in the wrong place. But the truth is, God is just waiting for you to trust him. God is waiting for you to say, Father, this is in your hands. I trust you. I, I, I know that you can do this for me. You're, there's nothing too big of a problem for you to solve. And, and Father, I just trust you. And I thank you for answering this prayer. I thank you for providing for this need. I thank you that my, my, my friends or my family members would come to know you. So we begin to pray and ask for these godly things. I know for me, I want to be a person who recognizes the importance of prayer in my life. And not just, just rote words, but good and godly prayer where I'm speaking to God with the intention of building a relationship and trusting in Him. And I want to be a person that practices it regularly in my life. And I would challenge each and every one of you to do the same. Amen. Amen. We'll go ahead and close there. Let's go ahead and uh, stand to our feet.